2: right, welcome to Bet The Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Drew, I've never been happier to be back in the state of Connecticut, the beautiful city of Stanford. Very happy to leave behind the state of Nevada. Uh, And also looking forward to talking uh, everything that happened yesterday. Very stressful day, uh, Drew. I have to say. Um, I didn't have a... A circa million situation going on, which I can only imagine how that was cheering for the Indianapolis Colts. But all these awards, uh, these—I mean, there were no divisions, to make, like one seed markets, yeah. all of that—and you spend all season pricing this stuff out, riding the bumps week to week, and then for the, mm-hmm. like a lot of those awards, I think came down to yesterday, and we'll get into that later in the week. But um, what was your main, what were your main takeaways from yesterday?
3: Oh, boy. It was a fun day of football. Um, I think you have to, st- if you want to start with the high points, um, Buffalo running the kickback. Uh, was probably my favorite football moment of the entire season. <laughs> that was extremely cool. Uh, seeing that place erupt, that you know, in the in that uh, with that much emotion was awesome. Uh, and of course, uh, I had overstaked Buffalo a little bit, so I was happy to be covered. <laughs> uh, and you know, that was a, that was a uh, that was a huge way to start Sunday. Um, really enjoyed the Saturday night uh, drama with Tennessee and Jacksonville. Tennessee was so live to win that game all oh, game long. Should've. They should have probably. One uh and you know the the jags defense sort of the the last you know the last unit that i expected to make the difference comes through with the fumble six uh and actually helps that game land in the middle because i'd played a lot of tennessee and i had a lot of jags win the south so uh, that was uh, kind of the ideal outcome uh yesterday's action overall was not super for me outside of the Bills. Um, the uh, Cleveland Browns, I have a special kind of cold place in my heart for them right now. Um, not only could they not get a competitive effort against the Steelers, but they couldn't even cover the teaser legs. That was the only long teaser that didn't get home yesterday. And then, you know, that, so that busted up some of the round robin longs that I had going. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, but the, the two kind of major takeaways I wanted to bring up and see if you agree with me. The, Cowboys and the Chargers both treated those games that were relatively meaningless like dress rehearsals in terms of how much time they gave their starters. And they were awful. Um, do you give them a free pass or do you downgrade in LA going into wild Card weekend?
2: I think the biggest thing to me to come out of those two performances and by far the most important thing is that Mike Williams got hurt um, that's the biggest thing, I think, in terms of the actual performances. I mean, I I live bet the commanders when they were minus four and a half, when they're up seven, nothing and driving, just thinking that the Eagles, who at that point were up like 13, nothing against the Giants, 13, they were yep, about, looked yep. like they were going to win by 50. And so I just assumed that the Cowboys were going to pull Dak and pull everyone and that I would have minus four and a half with a 10 or 14-point lead um, going up against Cooper Rush and the backups. That never really happened. And it didn't (laughs) matter anyway because Dak (laughs) Prescott was so deplorable. I think that... I still still believe in the Dallas offense. I'm willing to not write off yesterday, but I think that the offense has shown enough over the past month. I just think back to that Eagles game where against a pretty good Eagles defense, they just absolutely destroyed them. Um, They had enough success against Tennessee, a couple of weird turnovers. And yesterday, I think it's weird just to play a game where you're potentially expecting to get pulled at any moment because you know it doesn't really matter because the Giants aren't going to beat the Eagles. But yeah, the Dallas defense now, this is a month or longer where it just hasn't looked remotely like the unit that I guess we probably both would have had as a top two, three defense six weeks oh, yeah. ago. That's not there at all. I think they're just too banged up in the secondary. But let's um let's talk about the Chargers and let's segue into what we're going to do today, which is just break down, basically just break down the slate uh, of playoff games for next week and give early thoughts. And then we're going to welcome in, Eric Froton to talk at the national championship game at the end. But let's start off with those Los Angeles Chargers, who, first of all, really put me through the ringer. I'm sure like a lot of people who listen to this podcast, a lot of people in America who like to wager would have had the Bengals money line Broncos money line parlay because it was so correlated. I'm not really Mm -hmm. sure why books allowed that parlay, but clearly Mm -hmm. very correlated Um, in the end. Not really even a good bet, even though it it was entirely predicated on Brandon Staley having a semblance of rationality and and common decency to the better uh, and not playing Justin Herbert and his starters. But he played everyone until mid-fourth quarter. The Broncos ended up winning anyway, but that was an absolute nightmare to go through. (laughs) And now the Chargers, having potentially lost Mike Williams, are one-and-a-half point favorites at the Jags. Total is 47. What's your read on what happened yesterday and and on this game?
3: Well, I was disappointed in the Chargers. I felt like they were treating that way more like a dress rehearsal than they and implied all week long. Like there was a lot of signal that that was going to be a you know meaningful Chase Daniel game. And ultimately Justin Herbert threw 37 pass attempts. Uh, he was out there for, you know, he was deep into the fourth quarter. He was out there. Uh, and really, you know, Chase Daniel closed, you know, he, he got the Chargers in the back door um, because otherwise this was, uh, this was a Broncos, <laughs> you know, one way. Um, and, you know I, I there are a lot of reasons to be skeptical of the chargers even outside of the mike williams injury now apparently he had x-rays they were negative he's going to probably fight through it. Mike Williams always played playing banged up anyway. Um, but you know, Keenan Allen can't get separation like he used to. Um, they, so much of that offense runs through Austin Eckler. It's not exactly, uh, you know what I would consider, um, you know, just plus EV scheme at all. Uh, what, you know, Lombardi's running out there. Um, and so it's going to kind of take a heroic effort from Herbert singularly, I think to beat a Jacksonville Jaguars team that's playing really good right now. Um, You know, Trevor Lawrence, I thought, had somewhat of a stinker on Saturday, Um, you know, that had playoff game feel. And so him coming out and playing, you know, being a little tight uh, and, you know, just kind of not. Having the same fluidity we've seen in the you know prior weeks is was not entirely unexpected. Um, I think with that kind of experience under his belt now, he's probably uh, being underpriced a bit in terms of how he matches up in this game. You know, against this Chargers defense that also is you know just hasn't really shown sustained solid play. Uh, you know, they've been able to beat up on bad teams and bad quarterbacks, but uh, certainly not you know a standout unit. Uh, so I think this is wrong team favored. Um, Jags, I would expect close in the pick range. range. Uh, you can already see some market-making shops trending that way. Um, Jags, one of the few sides that I think uh, has value uh, as we sit here on Monday waiting, looking at the wild card slate.
2: Yeah, the Jags are a very weird team to think about because their pass defense is just untenable. That, that pass defense is just not going to get better. It's a glaring weakness. But this Chargers team, which theoretically – with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, should be a type of team that can take advantage of that pass defense. But they're just, I don't know, what is it? Their scheme, their um, the offensive line, just for whatever reason, has just never clicked. It's never been the supernova offense that you expect it would be when you see the names on paper and you know about Herbert's arm talent. Um, I think it's maybe a problem that Trevor Lawrence was really bad in that Tennessee game, going up against maybe the worst secondary in the league. Like, he was awful. In yeah. that game, and that would have been the story if they don't get the Josh Allen fumble return touchdown. Now, I think Lawrence has been good enough over the second half of the season that you give him a bit of a mulligan for that performance in what was, to that point, the biggest game of his NFL career. But these are two very strange teams. I don't know how good the Chargers' defense is. It's been statistically a lot better over the past six weeks, but I don't know how much of that is Tua just completely imploding on primetime against the Chargers. How much of it is playing Nick Foles, who was probably the worst quarterback performance in several years? Yes. Uh, Nick Foles did against the Chargers. So to me, this is—it's just a very strange game. I—I I think it's going to sway on the health of Mike Williams and Joey Bosa. Uh, and if the Chargers are at full strength, I just don't think this Jags defense has enough. But they're probably not going to be at full strength. Those guys might be banged up even if they play. And I think yeah. that the Jags passing offense will will look better um than it did do you like the over 47
3: yeah i do um i because again I, yeah i i don't necessarily see um you know see a a clearer matchup for either defense that they're going to be able to you know just completely shut down this looks like score answer type of football um and i don't know it, would you say that i am reaching um by saying that uh yeah you know every quarterback makes his first playoff start and it's somewhat of a stinker That happens pretty regularly. You can kind of set your clock to it. Um, Is it fair to ascribe what we saw from Trevor Lawrence on Saturday night as that stinker? And now that he's kind of got that past him, you know, we can maybe expect a little bit, a little less nervy play from him.
2: Yeah, I think that's reasonable. When you said that, the first performances that come to mind... Well, the one that really comes to mind is Lamar Jackson against the Chargers where he just could not hold on to the football uh, and was fumbling for fun. Uh, and then obviously comes back the next season and, and wins the MVP. So, yeah, I think Lawrence just seemed, he just seemed tight and it's a difficult thing to assess uh, objectively, but he was just sailing passes. It felt like he was trying to avoid turnovers yeah. and that manifested in the worst way with missing the wide open Zay Jones in the end zone. So, yeah, I think there is enough. That we've seen in the second half of the season from Lawrence, that passing offense that you'd expect them to get right uh, against against the Chargers. Who, I mean, I don't know how much we read into yesterday, but I mean, Russell Wilson looked uh, a lot like Russell Wilson in that game, and uh, I think I think Wilson's actually going to be good next season. I think he's going to get back to being an average quarterback, and I think MVP Russ is coming back. But I mean, that defense did get did get lit up. Just quickly on that before we move on to Dolphins, Bills, um, just with the Broncos and Russ, do you, what, what do you think? Because I I think Russ is going to win comeback player of the, of the Ooh, year next year. I think he's a uh,
3: current market favorite.
2: Yeah, I was, I was hoping he would go up at 30-1 to 1 or something ridiculous. But, uh, well, it's good. Um, and it's it's trivial to talk about awards in this context, but... Um, if DeMar Hamlin <laughs> takes the field next year, then they should just name the award after him. <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, I think that Ross, I mean, he's looked a lot better the past month, both games against Kansas City yeah. yesterday. Um, and I think it's probably, it might be a Nathaniel Hackett, it might be an Urban Meyer situation where whoever comes in, that team's going to look a lot better next season.
3: Yeah. And I think that's the key. Uh, who do they hire? If they make a good hire, then you're probably getting excited for Broncos football. Um it's pretty clear there's some signal there that says Hackett was part of the, a big part of the problem.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably fair. <laughs> All right, let's get to two well-coached teams in the Dolphins and Bills. But just a reminder first, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen during Wild Card round and the Premier League, including two shots at $100,000 by guessing the outcome in our Sunday night seven contest. Between the Chargers and Jags, as well as the Ravens and Bengals.
4: The path to retirement is different for everyone. And as life changes, so do priorities. Fidelity can help you get where you wanna go. With a free personalized plan, goal tracking, and timely insights, You'll be set to take on retirement, whether you're saving for it or already living in it. Get started at fidelity.com slash take on expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity brokerage services member NYSE SIPC.
2: Dolphins-Bills, which is, I would say, the line that is in the most flux. And I don't think it's really a real line at the moment because we don't know what's going to happen between Teddy Bridgewater, Scarlett Thompson, whether Tua could even come back. He's not been definitively ruled out, though at this point, I would not expect him to play. Now, what, this line closed seven uh, a couple of weeks ago when it was Tua. Uh, I suspect that even if Tua was back, given the attrition that the Dolphins are dealing with, Tyreek Hill's got nothing left in that ankle. That was awkward to watch yesterday. He was just limping around out there. Jalen Waddles banged up. Teron Armstead, Bradley Chubb, Xavier Howard, these guys have all been dealing with injuries. Uh, What do you make of this game?
3: Yeah, this is limits are circled here. So you cannot get a full stake on this game because we do not know who the quarterback for the Dolphins is going to be. Even the kind of connected people don't know. I don't know if the Dolphins know. <laughs> I think they are hopeful that somehow, some way, two is going to uh, wake up and feel great and be ready to go uh, and give them some kind of a puncher's chance here. I mean, in the long arc for the Dolphins, you really, really want to get to a start so he kind of gets his playoff feet wet. Uh, you don't want—I don't think—you really want to, um, you know, head into next season uh, without, you know some idea of how he can perform in, in this kind of a situation. But that said, it's a uh, uh, very scary injury he's dealing with. That's long-term, you know, long-term health man, you know, is going to be contingent on him uh, recovering well from this. So, um, if this is Skylar Thompson, this probably goes to Buffalo minus fourteen. If this is Teddy Bridgewater, it probably goes to Buffalo minus thirteen. Uh, I don't know that there's a huge difference there. Teddy's been bad this year, uh, although you know Skylar Thompson is really, 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 really not up for a playoff start. So um, there's been a little bit of you know you know some some money showed up here for an over um, forty four is probably where this closes. Uh, Buffalo Bills are going to drive that boat. <laughs> In terms of their offense scoring against the Miami defense, that's very, very overmatched here. Um, You know, I think the... Game in the snow uh, that you know was before Christmas. What the sixteenth um, was a really good competitive game. The Dolphins obviously covered; uh, they were the bet side in that game. Uh, and uh, you know, with the healthy two, I think we're having a different discussion. But um, I would expect, if anything, this moves in the direction of the Bills. It moves in the direction of the over, uh, and uh, it's going to take uh, you know somewhat of an unexpected miracle for Tua to be able to to take the field. And you are right; Tyreek Hill was not right. He is and won't be right for this game.
2: Yeah, so you, so you think there's a legitimate chance two applies in the market right now at 11 is reflecting that if if you think it's 13 with Teddy,
3: yeah, I think so. And I mean, maybe 20 percent. It's low, but uh, I think that there is some realistic chance there. I haven't heard him. I have not heard them uh, specifically rule him out, and um, you know they seem to be a little bit more on the aggressive side as far as teams go, with you know, putting <laughs> putting players back in the game. So we'll see. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, this is one where also it's not just the quarterback situation, but just seeing the practice reports around particularly Armstead and Hill. I know Armstead played and he should be okay, but, I mean, he played previously and then just missed the Patriots game. So I think he is just – I think Theron Armstead's body needs the offseason because he um, he is completely – just banged up at the moment so hopefully he and Hill are able to go and are able to be close to 100% um, and then I guess like personally I don't want to see Tour out there, I'd rather just be Teddy Bridgewater and it's a bit more interesting of a game and you don't have to worry about all the stuff going around Tour. but we'll talk about that once we get clarity on uh, who's going to be playing. Now Ravens-Bengals, this was the line, each each week I like to play uh, the Guess the Lions game just by myself Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the Evernote app I think the lines will be and this one was the one that I was way off on bet Ravens at Bengals the Sunday night game on NBC it's Bengals minus six and a half the total is 43 and a half I thought this was going to be more like four and a half or five I guess I was probably just waiting in certainty too much around Lamar Jackson playing and we probably don't have that certainty but what do you think of this line um, well, for our,
3: you know, for our, uh, uh, our corporate buddies at NBC, I, we're hoping for Lamar Jackson, if that's the Sunday night game. Um, and I mean, every indication is he's going to go, uh, he hasn't practiced in a month. He's going to be rusty. Uh, he doesn't have a lot to work with. Uh, and in the back of my head, for the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking, is he, you know, is he doing this? Because he's trying to preserve his value for the open market next year. Does he know he's done with the Ravens? Like, is that part of his decision-making? And uh, I haven't gotten any clear answers from anyone uh, here. So I think realistically, um, this comes down to, you know, is he willing to go? Uh, The team will clearly put him out there if he is, because their other options are not viable. Um, And, you know, the Ravens defense is maybe the more important part of this handicap because they can't cover the Bengals. I don't know how many more times we need to see it. Like they're not fast enough; <laughs> they don't, they can't match speed with speed. Uh, and you know, you know what Jamar Chase did uh, in you know in that game yesterday. I think was a preview of you know plan A, B, and C here for the Bengals this week. Um, Bengals, you know, they, they are, they're they are a very scary offense right now. This team is going to put up thirty. Uh, the question is, you know, can the Ravens answer? And if Lamar Jackson is in there, they really are going to try to. I would guess employ a keep away type of game where, you know, 15-play, 10-minute type of drives uh, to keep their defense off the field. Uh, I would guess that's sort of the, you know, the objective. Um, But, you know, again, without anyone really to throw to besides Mark Andrews, uh, this Ravens offense just doesn't have have the teeth and doesn't have the horses to keep up with the Bengals. So, um, my guess is that the bet is to be made on the Bengals when you get confirmation that Lamar is the quarterback and this maybe goes down into the four and a half range.
2: Yep. Yeah, I think potentially four and a half, five, I guess, because I think that surely has to be baked in that Lamar is a pretty strong candidate to play. Yesterday was a weird game between these two teams. I mean, the Bengals, yes, Chase looked amazing and did whatever he wanted, and maybe that's the most important thing to read into it. But outside of that, they were not good. And maybe they just were kind of not taking the game seriously the way that the Niners' defense didn't take Jared Stidham seriously. Uh, And after getting the early lead, they just kind of took the – the foot off the pedal but I mean Joe Burrow had a 23 QBR yesterday they got outgained severely by the Ravens who I know were playing catch-up but they needed the defensive touchdown to create some separation uh as someone when it started to trend towards Anthony Brown I loaded up on a lot of you know, alternate spreads and all of um these correlated unders around the Ravens and uh didn't really come close to manifesting the Bengals money line bailed me out but uh, that would be something to watch. I think that the Bengals, they could not run the ball at all against the Ravens. Alex Kappa goes down as well. So if Lamar is back and you know, he's the ultimate wild card, if he's just Lamar Jackson, uh, then despite the lack of weapons, Lamar Jackson on offense just gives you such a high floor uh, that I think this game could be interesting. So we'll see where the line settles. We'll see once we get clarification on Lamar. But I think that this line certainly is going to move um, one way. Or the other. All right. Before we bring in Eric Froton to talk about TCU Georgia, a reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today.
3: It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana? Call 1 800 9 with it. In Michigan, call 1 800 270 7117. In Virginia, call 1 888 532 3500. Gambling problem? Call 877 8 Hope, New York, or text Hope, New York. That's 467 369. In New York, call 1 800. Gambler. In Pennsylvania, call 1 877 770 STOP. That's 1 877 770 6867. In
2: Louisiana. Alright, let's welcome in Eric. Eric, it's good to see. You. A lot going on in that background, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> let's, yeah. let's get straight into TCU, Georgia. Uh, emotionally, it's going to be difficult for me to talk about this game as someone who is holding a lot of Ohio State futures tickets, but that's fine. <laughs> a there that is buried. The Bulldogs are not. They are 12.5 point favourites. The total is 63. Wow. What are your overall thoughts on the game, Eric?
5: Yeah, sure. Well, with TCU and Georgia, the, the real question is around the country, can TCU hang with the vaunted Georgia Bulldogs? And I think it's really, you know, comes down to TCU. In every game except for one this season, they've scored at least 28 points. The only game that they didn't was against Texas. It was a 17-10 snoozer in which they held the Longhorns and Bijan Robinson, their star running back, to just 28 points yards rushing you know so um, when it comes to TCU I do think that this Georgia defense is not quite the unit that we saw last year Uh, had eight NFL draft picks out of that group Uh, and I do think that TCU will be able to score and hang with them my particular favorite bet related to this game and related to the outcome is Georgia uh, to win by one to 13 points And that is currently listed at FanDuel at plus 160, which I think is just great odds considering I do think that TCU will be able to at least score a little bit given that Georgia is not quite what it once was last season.
3: Yeah, the, uh, the, the bright minds that we talk to in the college football space have all kind of had a similar thought about this Georgia defense, which is, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're elite. But when they have gone up against sort of top tier NFL ready talent, they've gotten exposed. We saw that against Ohio State. uh, And, you know, there's just they just haven't had that many tests to kind of prove, uh, you know, how they ought to be rated against elite talent. In your opinion, are there, you know, kind of NFL quality? players out there for TCU that can put that same kind of pressure on Georgia or uh, is the kind of major takeaway people are going to be like oh man that Georgia defense just as good as last year they were nasty like that that that. it feels like that particular uh, matchup drives this and I don't know what is your what are your feelings about Duger and some of the skill position players for TCU are they on the same level in the same discussion as Ohio State
5: I, th- I certainly think Quentin Johnson is, and he is currently, I think, the favorite in the betting markets to be the number one wide receiver taken in this upcoming NFL draft. 6'4", 215 pounds. There isn't a lot of big receivers. You know, there's, there was Drake London last year, and now that really is Quentin Johnson coming in the season. He has the ability to take the top off of defense. He started at 91 and a half yards on the prop market. He's actually down to About 81 and a half right now, so we've kind of seen which way the wind is blowing. Where the market expects Georgia to tilt coverage a little bit to Quentin Johnson, and that's going to be important because they also have another exceptional NFL caliber running back, Kendra Miller, who is currently trending as uh, you know, probably around three, maybe round four type prospect, and has everything you're looking for for that next level six foot, 220 pounds. He led the nation in yards after contact in 2021 and has only increased. That sort of acumen this season. Now he went down last game against Ohio State. Um, so the fact that he didn't play most of the game, only got eight carries. It was Amari DiMarcado who actually ended up being the Bell Cow and running for over 150 yards in that game. Can he do that again? Because frankly, Kendra Miller is a game time decision. And I don't think he's gonna be able to come back on a you know short rest, only nine days after being out in a pivotal game against Michigan that went down the wire. So uh, those are the two big skill players that TCU has, but one of them is banged up. So, you know, we'll see how the offensive line for TCU that did a great job against Michigan, they're going to have to really bow up again today.
2: Eric, can you give your thoughts on how – you adjusted or didn't adjust your power rating for Georgia coming off that Ohio State game because look they were they closed four and a half point favorites they won by one it's not that far off what the line was so but watching that game I mean Ohio State had five different opportunities to make one play which would have ended the game which uh, again as an Ohio State better really ended uh, ruined my end to twenty twenty two and uh, the start of twenty twenty three uh, but was there anything out of that game that makes you particularly concerned for Georgia?
5: Well, yeah, sure. And, you know, it gets to their defense again. I mean, I don't I mean to go back to the well there, but um, they allowed 20 points to Kent State. Five teams this year scored at least 20 points on Georgia. So when I'm going and I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, look, this, there's there's a way. I do think that there is a path for TCU. Now, it's going to require a top-to-bottom effort from the Horn Frogs, and they're going to have to be exceptional, and they've managed to win – four games this season that they had sub 50% win expectancies. So they have been magical in that sense where they've managed to be dramatic and and just finish games uh, perfectly. I do think that's an issue for Georgia. Uh, I'm interested to see what their approach is going to be on offense. Are they going to try to bully ball TCU and slow down the game and try to just salt it away with their three headed running back rotation Uh, Or are they going to, you know, ride the arm of Stetson Bennett, you know, tested, veteran? Uh, We've seen him do it. He he was down two scores against Ohio State, and he led them back. So um, I do like, from a props perspective, I think Adonai Mitchell is going to be a real factor on the outside for Georgia. He was hurt most of the season. Three-star true freshman last year when he started 13 games as a three-star. That's almost unheard of in that sort of a talented room. That Georgia has so um I do think that you're going to see a little more passing out of Georgia than we're probably used to and I'm expecting big a big game out of nine
3: Mitchell I love that call yeah Mitchell was a huge standout for them in spring and throughout training camp it was uh and you know just they they looked like they wanted to utilize him more in that Ohio State game but just uh, for whatever reason uh injury game state yeah, yeah. um Curious your thoughts on the TCU defense, particularly their defensive line. Uh, TCU was meaningful dogs to Michigan. People just kind of expected Michigan was going to get the win. One of the reasons was Michigan had the best offensive line in the country, and people just kind of figured that eh, they're going to win their 1v1s. But having watched that game, I will tell you that they got outplayed. By the defensive line for TCU, uh, there were some particular standout performances on that D line. Um, is there a repeat performance coming against uh, what is potentially a more advantageous matchup here? I mean, the offensive line for Georgia, I, I would say, is meaningfully you know a tier below what we, you know just the talent for Michigan. Um, and uh, you know, if Stetson Bennett is finding himself under pressure uh, pretty regularly in this game, uh, are we staring at a total of sixty-three that is uh, maybe a, a hair too high?
5: Absolutely, And, you know, I've seen a, a few of the, you know, models out there uh, that I respect. A couple of them have a pretty low scoring game out here, you know, a, a total in the 40s, even potentially. I think that's possible. Absolutely. And, you know, as you mentioned, the TCU defense, D. Winters was a monster against Michigan. God, he was he was a pleasure to watch. And I got to think he'll be geared up again. And, and on the edge, Dylan Horton was in that backfield and was a real problem for J.J. McCarthy. In fact, I, you know, he uh, he had a pretty good rush on one of McCarthy's interceptions that caused him to kind of hurry that throw up. And we saw, you know, TCU, their defense, you know, two interceptions, two defensive touchdowns. Um, they really, their game plan was tight. I thought they outcoached Michigan uh, in that game. and I don't think you can really deny it that they, Michigan didn't make the – the adjustments on defense until well into that second half that allow them to even kind of crawl back into it. Um, So I really do think that's an issue, um, you know, for Georgia in terms of the way they were coached. And again, you know, as we talked about, does Georgia choose to try to slow this game down? Use McIntosh, use Dejan Edwards, use, you know, that, that bull, Kendall Milton, who hasn't really been unfurled this season the way they want to in a power run fashion. Do they try to really slow it down and control the clock i think it's a very realistic outcome uh, i wasn't on the over under particularly because of that possibility but i do lean under
2: yep i like it all right before we say goodbye eric uh can you hit us with some other player props that you like i mean you mentioned the mitchell one but anything else that stands out on the prop slide?
5: oh absolutely i i like uh on again with georgia Lad McConkey, wide receiver for the Bulldogs. Now, McConkey had been a really valuable uh, sort of a safety valve type option, and they would game-plan him touches, you know, some screens, uh, some of those quick slants and stuff. And it just seems like when they needed a third down, he was the guy. You know, again, another fairly unheralded, unheralded recruit who worked his way up the depth chart. But the problem is, against Georgia Tech in the final regular season game, he got hurt. He only played about a handful of snaps, and that was a problem in – Uh, you know, leading into the conference Championship. Fortunately, he was able to play and had a pretty good game against LSU. But uh, in the offseason, you know, Georgia had almost 30 practices leading up to the first playoff game. And he was able to – he was barely present, you know, up until the very last week, the last couple of practices on the field due to a recurring knee injury that has really been nagging him. Um, And you saw it affect him last game against Ohio State, where he only had four targets – he caught two of them for negative one yard. They weren't targeting him downfield. They were given, again, those short little bubble screens or those manufactured touches in order to kind of keep him involved in the game plan. But he was really used as more of a decoy. And we saw it on when Arian Smith caught that jailbreak touchdown wide open down the left sideline uh, on the ensuing two-point conversion. Ladd McConkey caught a little quick hitch, a little quick out, and right on the goal line and he got submarined and you saw him after that play in the fourth quarter limping his way to the sideline and then when he was on the field in that subsequent drive he just he wasn't running full speed. You could clearly see he was just kind of going through the motions, wanted to be out there, wanted to help, but he wasn't himself. I am backing the under 40 and a half receiving yards for Ladd McConkey. He opened at 46 and a half on FanDuel. I got that immediately. Went down to 36.5, uh, and he is now actually back up to forty and a half, thirty nine and a half on the domestics. If you can get anything higher, I really like it at that 40.5 mark. I think it's be really tough for him to hit that.
2: Okay, there you go. The under on Lad McConkey, one of the best names in college sports, of course, Lad McConkey. All right, Eric, thanks for joining us. Can you tell people where to follow you? Absolutely. You can follow me here at NBC Sports. Uh, I will be heavily involved
5: in the offseason doing NFL draft content, of course. And I appreciate your
2: time. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Eric. Fingers crossed for Georgia 1-13. to though. to be honest, Drew, I hope both these teams lose tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio State, Ryan Day, <laughs> absolutely broke my heart. Uh, yeah, really good move from Ryan Day with the season on the line to, to settle and play for a 50-yard field goal for yeah. a bloke named Ruggles. Fantastic One. stuff. Um, yeah. right, who, final yeah. score tonight, Drew? Uh,
3: Georgia f- 13, TCU 10.
2: <laughs> yeah, so give
3: great. me <laughs> give me under everything in this game. Under the player pro I will I'll steer I'll stay away from Mitchell. I agree Mitchell's going to be involved, but under under everything. Uh I just don't see a game state that's going to be anywhere close to what we saw in the semifinals. People if they think they're tuning in for uh, you know, for a, you know, popcorn match, no. This is going to be a chess match.
2: 13-10. I'll say uh, I'll say Georgia wins 14-11. There you go. Oh, I All
3: like it. Right. Yeah, scoregami. let's go. Yeah. That's probably not a scoregami. Well, it's a scoregami for national championship games.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com. More information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. We'll be back tomorrow to break down the NFC wildcard games and much more. From Jake Croucher and Drew Dinsick, have a great day.